This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the quarantine ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to the final episode of 2020, episode 603 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. I am your head number one, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Matt Bump. That makes me the second head sharing this giant body, but you might know me better as the internet's Joe Patrick. The end of the year is here. And that means it's time for our celebration of the best comics of 2020, it, where we hand out our Golden Beppo Awards. Ladies and gentle nerds, welcome to the 2020 THN Golden Beppos. While 2020 was a real pile of crap, you can't argue it wasn't a good year to turn off the news and read some comics. We're going to start here with the quintessential star of any story, the hero. Now, a lot of heroes were run through the ringer this year. Batman almost got married. Adam Strange almost got canceled for war crimes. Well, then Wolverine and Cyclops starting having three ways with Gene. Before we get into our winners, let's talk about the runners-up. Now, there were a lot of heroes that had a really good year. And honestly, it was kind of tough for me to pick. Uh, I mean, quite honestly, thinking about it, they're uh, Spencer Dales from Excellence, which was an incredible series um, from Brandon Thomas and Kerry Randolph. Had a great year. Havoc, who I did not like in the beginning of the Hellions series, but Zeb Wells' Hellions totally grew on me. I even kicked, like, Eddie Brock around for this category because Venom has been so fucking good this year. And Bendis is Superman. It's almost impossible for, not, for me not to pick Bendis as Superman. Who else was in your pool? Uh, really, the only runner-up I had was Daredevil. And that was due to the strength of Chip Zdarsky's run on the title. He's just put... He's put that that character through the ringer. Well, let's not go and, into it too far, because I'm about to give my award to Daredevil. So. Sure, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like... I, it, it was hard to... I will say that it was hard for me to settle on a hero. And I gave my runner-up to Daredevil... Uh, just because I loved the other characters uh, series so much. But just what Daredevil has gone through, how he has persevered and where his character is situated now going into the new year. Oh yeah. So let me give mine first. And mine goes to Daredevil. My, my best hero goes to Daredevil. What Chip Zdarsky has done with this character. It, it started off a little slow and I didn't know what I thought about it, but the more he got into the way that he writes Matt Murdock specifically. I think Chip Zdarsky has such a fantastic handle on who is Matt Murdock and how Matt Murdock works. And my favorite part of a great Daredevil story is Matt Murdock and the Kingpin. And his Kingpin story, which was essentially the Kingpin going straight after he became the mayor for a while and realizing, like, I'm in the wrong business. This criminal bullshit is bullshit, <laughs> you know? And realizing that I go straight, I become a politician, I can get into a level of corruption that I didn't even know existed. And now he's, like, butting heads with this other family, which is sort of, like, 
the Koch brothers in real life almost. And they're like, this guy's a criminal. No, we don't want to deal with him. And the two stories between what Daredevil went through and what the Kingpin went through this year, amazing. Absolutely amazing. And he easily gets my best hero of the year. Loves Zdarsky's Daredevil. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, like I said, it was difficult for me to choose between the two, but I had to give my pick for best hero to Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, uh, just because of how strong his 12-issue maxi series was was that concluded this year. Just wonderful. Uh, (laughs) It was by Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber, and it saw Jimmy Olsen traveling through the depths of space, adopting a blood-vomiting cat, marrying an intergalactic jewel thief, you know, all of the things that Jimmy Olsen is known for. And of course, it ends with him becoming the owner of the Daily Planet. We find out that he and Lex Luthor are distantly related, right? I think <laughs> yeah. that's fair to say. I guess, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. technically. Uh, and uh, uh, it's just, it's such a wonderful joyride uh, with that character. And just the way they introduce, you know, it, it his his series was told in like a um like a series of vignettes where it would be like just little short chapters where right. it would have a brief intro and it would be like Superman's burden, Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Well, I mean, just like the old school Jimmy Olsen book where like every yeah. cover, it was like Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, or like Superman's worst enemy, Jimmy Olsen. Or yeah, Superman's but it, it would be like a, a different, a different, like a, a different descriptor, like, right. you know. Uh, Superman's hetero life mate, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and it was just, it, it was a joy. Jimmy Olsen was a joy in 2020, and he gets my best hero. Fair enough. I love that pick. It's a great one. Now, it was certainly a weird year for villains in comics. Most DC villains took a backseat to dark death metal versions of heroes. Over at Marvel, the X villains are now heroes. The Avengers spent half the year fighting Moon Knight, and Thor is working for Galactus. That said, there were still some good villain stories out there. Matt, let's talk about your runner-up for best villains of 2020. You know, there was a lot of great villains, honestly, this year. Null from the Venom books has been awesome, and they've been building to that character showing up. And finally, when Null did show up, it was the scariest thing that's ever happened. I love the Horde culture, which were the old women botanists from the X-Men who showed up, basically the Golden Girls with powers that showed up and kicked the crap out of the X-Men. Fantastic. And, man, what what they did with Galactus in the Thor book was just fan-fucking-tastic. But it was an easy choice for me. When it came down to it, but before before I almost announced it, but before I do that, Joe Patrick, who are your runners up? You know, again, this was a tough category for me, and I I, I had a hard enough time picking uh, a winner, let alone settling on runners up. Um, but I must say that I was tickled to death uh, by the horticulture uh, introduced by Jonathan Hickman. They were great. <laughs> that that group of old ladies. Old lady mad scientists yeah. with with enough juice to actually fight the X-Men. Well, it, the, it was badass, so much fun. They're badass botanists, and the X-Men are working in the world of botany now. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, okay. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know, like, I really love Christopher Cantwell's Doctor Doom, but I can't really call him. Uh, to me, he's a protagonist, so I'm not. 
Oh, you didn't, didn't wanna, finish the book I didn't want to think about him as my best villain. You did not finish the book then. Well, no, I did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like, Null is great, but we're only two chapters into King and Black. Um, but yeah, I'm giving my runner-up to Horticulture. I had to give my best villain to Doctor Doom for Christopher Cantwell's run. It, it was an amazing run on the book, and it very much set Doom up, not in like a necessarily a sympathetic place, but in a place where we had, like, he had to change, and we had to see who this character was. And we got to see Cantwell do some stuff with Doom that we never would. And in doing so, about midway through the story, I agree, he sort of became a protagonist. But by the end of the story, we absolutely got to see the evil that is Doom and why he is who he is and why he chooses to be who he is and why he cannot escape from who he is. The way that Cantwell's story ends is one of the biggest gut punches I've read in a long time. It was fantastic. This one was almost up for... I mean, I guess that's technically not a miniseries, sort of maxi series or whatever, but right up there for one of my best like miniseries I read. Are you sh- is it over? Are you sure it's over? It's done. It is done. Yeah, it was twelve issues, and that's it. And I'm giving my best villain to Doctor Doom. That series was incredible. Very cool. Uh, my best villain goes to the Stromwin family from Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil. Uh, if you haven't been reading Daredevil, it has been a roller coaster ride, not only for Matt Murdock, but also for Wilson Fisk and for everybody that they're connected to. And I thought about um, Fisk, actually. I thought about Wilson Fisk being one of my favorite villains this year because he's been so good. Well, here's the thing Wilson Fisk got it just as bad as Daredevil in 2020. Yeah, but the Strong uh, And that family- is because of the Strong family. They get it even worse, though. (laughs) He gives it right back. (laughs) The deal with the Stromwin family is that they are. uh, They're the Koch brothers. Yeah, right. They like essentially they are a uh, they are a crime family that are literally too rich and powerful to be held accountable. Yeah, they're legit. They're completely legit corrupt family I, I wish i could think of another family like that off the top of my head but no one is coming mm, to mind no yeah gosh. <laughs> but uh you know they run afoul of wilson fisk who is of course trying to make it go as a legitimate mayor of new york city while also doing king penny stuff in the background i believe it's king pinnish king pinnish stuff <laughs> in the background and and they are just like holding him under their boot at every turn. And it, it it was so awesome and uncomfortable to read the kingpin of all characters struggling under the power of this family. Well, just seeing uh, him deal with like a level of corruption that he's never dealt with. Like he, it's not even the corruption. It's the power they wield. Well, that, I guess that's like what I he, mean. Like he knows how to throw around the owl. He knows how to mess around with tombstone and stuff like this this is a level of corruption that is like completely almost out of his league like it stretches like he's he's at their he is at their compound for a meeting and he snaps yeah and murders one of them in the bathroom with his bare hands 
and they don't even blink an eye. Yeah, it's like, they're just like this is perfect. <laughs> like this yeah. is this is perfect. This is what we were hoping he would do. This is excellent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and like it was just it's so fascinating. And then to see you know Daredevil also like trying to work with the Kingpin to bring this family down. Uh, it such compelling reading. Yeah, such compelling reading. Um, for me, the Stromwin family gets my best villain of 2020. Let's get into the creator awards for the peeps actually making the comics. With COVID almost murdering the comic book market, we should probably give out a blanket award to everyone that continued to make comics this year. So go ahead, give yourself a little high five from us. But now... On to the business of the Beppos. We start with our best writers of 2020. And there were a lot of writers to talk about this year. Joe Patrick, who were some of the ones that you considered for your Golden Beppo? You know, for me, uh, I, I didn't really consider many for my top award because it's been a lot of the usual suspects in 2020. Um, you're going to mention them in yours, so I will refrain but my main runner-up was Chip Zdarsky, who continues to impress. Yeah. Uh, as he matures as a writer, as he takes on more and more projects, as he develops these ongoing narratives, like in Daredevil, uh, like it, Chip Zdarsky's uh, career as a writer has been a joy to follow. It's also um, like just begun. We, we I forget like how new this guy is to the writing game, and he's so fucking good. It's crazy. <laughs> it really is. It really, really is. And it's uh, like, think about like artists crossing over into writing. Honestly, it's not yeah. a thing that happens very successfully very often. You know, I mean, like, no, and that's because no. it's hard. You focus all your talent on art, you know, artistry. That's typically where you're spending your time. You focus all your talent on writing. That's typically where you are. And that's fine. But like, it's very few that can go, you become that double threat unless you started that way. Unless that's just who you were. I mean, like, there are those guys out there that, that, that just, you know, they are the artist writer whole package. They've always been that. But Zadarsky, we knew as an artist first. And it, making that crossover, very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I looked at guys like Zadarsky was on my list, definitely. Matt Fraction was absolutely on my list for Jimmy Olsen. Kieran Gillen had an amazing year uh, between the Ludocrats and Wants and Future. Uh, Jeff Lemire is back doing Sweet Tooth. It, and Black Hammer has it's still just wonderful. Uh, Donnie Cates as well. Oh my God, Donnie Cates had an amazing, between Thor and Venom and the King in Black. But at the end of the day, I have to give my Golden Beppo to Al Ewing. Yep. Al Ewing had a year that I don't think anyone can deny. Between his Guardians of the Galaxy, the Empire event that he steered, Immortal Hulk, and one of the series that I thought about for my best news series, we only find them when they're dead. I don't know that there is a comic writer out there that had a better year than Al Ewing. At this point, I'm saying let him steer the Marvel Universe. Put him in charge. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine with it. 
Yeah, Al Ewing, 100% my favorite writer of the year as well. He gets my golden depot also. I, I would fight you if you picked anyone else, quite honestly. Like that guy, <laughs> he just had a, the, a year of years. <laughs> he was fantastic. Yeah. Writers are important, but we all know without pictures, it's just not a comic book. You're just writing a book, sir. So let's take some time to look at outstanding achievements in comic book art this year. Joe Patrick, who are your runners-up for your Golden Beppo for Best Artist of 2021? You know, this is another category that is almost impossible to narrow down in a field of amazing talent. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that Matt and I are going to overlap quite a bit. Um, but for me, uh, we've got uh, guys like... Um, Marco Cecchetto on Daredevil. Yeah. We've got Without Joe Bennett on the Immortal Hulk. Uh, we've got Ryan Stegman had a breakout. Ryan Stegman year. on Venom and the King in Black. Yeah. No quite like uh, Ryan Stegman you know, had one of the, and we talked about it reviewing King in Black. Ryan Stegman has is having one of those years where his amazing style somehow got better. Like somehow, and it's still him. He hasn't fundamentally changed anything. It's not like he started doing something different, but his style got even better and that and you don't see that very yeah. often uh but if we're talking about runners up here i'm giving my runner up to dan mora oh yeah dan mora who is the artist of once in future for boom studios upcoming artist on uh, uh a lot of the dc future state stuff and detective comics yeah dan mora um, definitely on my list as well uh, valerio shitty uh, worked on empire that dude Another guy who like was always good, and we always we always really liked him, but like took a leap in his style. Uh, R. B. Silva, you R. know, B. like Silva. a lot of the people that worked on um, Hawkspox, you know, those absolutely. guys. Absolutely, uh, Jamal Campbell, who worked on Far Sector, absolutely gorgeous book, and kind of came out of nowhere. Like Cam Campbell was good; we'd seen him do stuff before, but like this level was insane. Yeah, like he did Naomi, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, uh, like Far Sector is unbelievably gorgeous. Who is your best artist? Enough to talk. Who is the best? You know, for me, my favorite artist of the year. Yeah, boy, I was going to give it to Joe Bennett for his work on the Immortal Hulk, but I think I'm giving it to Marco Cicchetto. That's totally fair. His for work, Daredevil. His work on Daredevil was stunning. Uh, you know, like I've always been a fan of his work. But I, I think that he has brought a, 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 a level of style and mood to that character. Uh, that's not even to mention, like, the very slight and subtle redesign he did of the Daredevil costume, yeah, yeah. which I love. It is a book. Yes, it has action. Yes, it has violence. But it also has a lot of characters just standing around talking. Yeah. And everything in that book is very compelling to look at no absolutely and i think that's, and that's one of the because most, of marco Cicchetto. it's I, i'm not gonna say it's easy to draw a fight scene that's very difficult but i think the hardest part of comics is making those other scenes the banal stuff the day-to-day -day stuff yeah. the walking oh, like, down the street like we talked about uh we talked about this with my best villain where um kingpin snaps in the uh strong one family <laughs> bathroom that is like one of the most visually compelling and upsetting uh, scenes in a comic book that I've read in a long time yeah, where it's he gorgeous. just like ends that guy. Yeah. It's an amazing scene. 
And uh, yeah, I just I I love what Chichetto has done on Daredevil. He hasn't done every issue, you know. He's not a robot. Well, uh, but they but, but they've been switching it up on purpose. They've been telling like two sort of different stories yeah. that, and it makes perfect sense. It's great. Uh, but yeah, I, I just I am I am just absolutely enraptured by the work that he's done on that book. So I I keep talking about creators that have taken their style and improved it and made a jump in it and i think the guy that i picked daniel warren johnson i would argue was an artist we That's already a good loved pick man we already loved what he did on murder falcon but when he got a hold of wonder woman for dead earth he took his ridiculous heavy metal style and and turned it up like five more notches and that book looks absolutely amazing and I cannot say enough about uh, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, and what Daniel Warren Johnson has done. I am super excited to see whatever this guy does next. It was just visually ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Like, over the top, the colors exploded off the page, the violence was amazing, the action was amazing, Wonder Woman's, like, dreaded out crazy hair was amazing. I I loved this book, and you're going to hear more about it later. But I'm giving my best artist to Daniel Warren Johnson. No question. Yeah, that's absolutely a, a, an amazing pick. Hey, guess what? Every once in a while, Matt and I have the patience to sit down and read an entire graphic novel. And you know what? We're going to try to read more this this year. <laughs> like, that's one yeah. of our resolutions. We're gonna Let's go back to once a month. Well, let's do 12, okay? Come on. <laughs> We're going to do 12 this year. Uh, you know, we don't always do it for the show, but sometimes we just do it for ourselves. No, but I'm but saying let's do 12 a number of graphic for novels. the show this year. We're, we're, let's get back to it, man. I miss yeah, that. I, enough, about your, enough about your guilty pledges. I'm just talking about in general. <laughs> Speaking of 2020, a lot of these graphic novels we did not read on the show. Uh, but... We still read enough to pick a favorite graphic novel, Matt Bomb. You got some runners up? There was a pile of great books that I read. Uh, Firepower was one of them. The prequel by Chris Samney and Robert Kirkman. Wonderful stuff. And wonderful stuff that could have very easily been, you know, white savior kung fu type book. But Kirkman did such a wonderful job with it. Child Star by Box Brown disturbing, awful, hard to read, funny, fantastic. Uh, The Epic Life of Jack Kirby, The King of Comics, which we reviewed and just absolutely loved by Tom Scioli. It was wonderful. But I got to say, yours, I'm sorry, I almost gave mine away. But (laughs) let's talk about your runner-ups. Yeah, so uh, runners-up for me, uh, child star for sure. Uh, I also really loved... Uh, Dragon Hoops by Jean Luen Yang. I, I forgot to put that on my list, but yeah, it deserves uh, to be yeah, there. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, for me, my favorite, as much as I did love uh, some of these other books, I think my favorite was Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics by Tom Scioli. It, yeah. Just because, uh, just because of the way it was told, the style in which it was told, the reverence, uh, that Scioli had, obviously, for the creator and for the history, uh, how it was all it was a uh, romanticized, you know, and not necessarily like he comes right out and says it. It's like, look, I took some liberties, uh, but you know, this is this is from the heart. 
Uh, it was so good. It was it was a joy to read. Like, uh, you know, sometimes you read a graphic novel, uh, and it's just like this is a slog. It's so long. You know, when's this gonna be over? Uh, that Jack Kirby book, I I breezed through it. Loved it. And yeah, you know, I like I loved it from page from uh, start to finish. Uh, my favorite was Jack Kirby: The Epic Life of the King of Comics. Mine is gonna go to Blue and Green. Image Comics put this out. Ram V was the writer. Anad RK was the artist. One of the hardest things to bring to comics is a car chase. The second hardest thing, I would argue, is music. Illustrating music in comics never works. It's always somebody, like, think of every Dazzler you know, panel we've ever seen where it's her on stage with the band. She's saying some dumb lyrics. They've got musical notes in the word balloons and we're supposed to be like, okay, you know, whatever <laughs> like that's happening. So Ram V wrote a, a graphic novel about a jazz artist. And I cannot think of an even more difficult music, like genre to approach in comics than jazz because there are no lyrics. So you end up with a bunch of fixed characters holding, you know, musical instruments in certain positions. But this creative team did it so well. It, the story is, it's a familiar story. It's a crossroads sort of deal with the devil type story. Jazz artist has grown up, makes a deal, literally makes a deal with the devil, wakes up a super talented, you know, like, world-famous jazz artist. The art is very loose, very kind of Bill Sienkiewicz-type stuff. And I cannot say enough about what they did to make this whole story feel like jazz, like they were riffing on a theme from the art, the way that it was written. I, it just... They very much made a successful music comic, which I don't think I've ever seen. <laughs> I have to give this my best graphic novel. It, it was amazing. If you have not read this, pick it up. Absolutely worth your time. Joe Patrick, not all comics have to go on and on and on for 700 issues. Sometimes they can tell a short story. Sometimes it could be four, sometimes six. Let's talk about our best miniseries we read this year. Who are your runners up? Uh, you know, there were a lot of great minis this year. Um, I really quite enjoyed Marvel's uh, Empire event. Uh, it was short and sweet and didn't really, it wasn't too taxing. Uh, unlike uh, Ten of Swords, which I still have not finished, I, which uh, I love just Ten like, of Swords. It made my list. I loved it. It was fantastic. It's an endurance trial. I have not finished it. <laughs> I, I I have not had the the strength, the mental or spiritual fortitude to get through it. Oh, I loved it. But yeah, uh, so Empire it was definitely on my list. Um, uh, you know, Far Sector I thought was a mini, so I put that on my list. But it sounds like it might be sticking around, or at least the character sticking around. It was supposed to be no, it, like it's definitely a mini, and I believe the character is coming back for more. So mm. it definitely counts. Made my list as well. Far Sector, wonderful Empire. Oh my god, so much fun! And if if we were doing a best event, which I think we should be doing, Empire would have won my best event, honestly. Well, then what's your favorite? Well. I had more. Lost Soldiers from Ailish Scott, I thought was absolutely amazing. T 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Last Ronin makes a list, even though it hasn't even finished yet because it's been so much fun. But my favorite goes to Wonder Woman Dead Earth. It has to. That book was absolutely stunning. And I, I just screamed about it, you know, a few minutes ago, so I'm not going to go back into it. But seeing Wonder Woman on, like, this far future, apocalyptic, ruined planet, like, barbarian Wonder Woman, unlike we've seen her. And we said this before on the show. It was more death metal than anything that happened in death metal. <laughs> so, right. right. So it also gets my best death metal book of the year. There you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wonder Woman Dead Earth is a spectacular achievement, and the only reason I didn't mention it uh, is because I didn't want to steal your thunder. But yeah, it's definitely high up on my list. Uh, and the only reason I did not pick it is because Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen stole my heart. It stole my heart. It stole my imagination. It was wonderful. I, I just, I, I, I adored it. Every single time it came out, I was uh, I was sad when it was over. Uh, I I laughed the entire way through, um, and you know, as much as I wish it could be something that lasts forever, I understand the benefit of it just being a tight twelve issues and yeah, then being yeah. done. I and and it's one of those things where it, it shouldn't last forever. Because it's just going to get canceled <laughs> eventually. You know, like a run like this is perfect because it does its job. It tells its story and Matt Fraction doesn't lose interest and he can just stop. Because yeah. you can't hand this off to another creator. You can't be like, all right, no. keep going. Who Who's up next? Unless it's Chip Zdarsky, maybe, because they're best friends. <laughs> you know, but other than that. Sure. It, it, yeah. I'm glad it was what it was. I loved it. It was very, it was way up there on my list as well. Well, despite the pandemic, a number of new series hit the stands in 2020. Matt Baum, what were some of your favorites? There was actually a bunch of great new comics that came out this year. And on my list, they only find them when they're dead. The Al Ewing book that I mentioned, Department of Truth from James Tinian, The Four, fantastic stuff. Uh, dead Day from Aftershock, written by Ryan Parrott which I can have continued to read and is really good. Ryan Parrott, who works on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which we constantly say, I don't know why this book is as good as it is. It's just the fact that Ryan Parrott's that good. I would like, what were you into? What kind of new books were you freaking out about? I loved uh, the kind of off the beaten path stuff like uh, uh, Family Tree that Phil Hester draws. Yeah. Um, Family Tree is really you know, good. You mentioned uh, Department of Truth, which uh, I did not. I have not. Uh, I'm not up to date on, but oh, like I was so impressed by it's that first wonderful. issue. Wonderful. Yeah, um, like such a great twist in that final in that uh, in those final pages of issue number one. Um, but my favorite new series of the year is We Only Find Them When They're Dead, from Boom Studios by Al Ewing and Simone DeMeo. Uh, the quick elevator pitch is that it is about a group of space freighter scavengers basically right well i mean uh, like they're not uh, i mean they but they're like contractors right like they're doing a job i mean i guess but they're Um, also you know like digging through corpses basically (laughs) well yeah i mean like on paper they're doing a job they are like harvesting minerals right uh but the catch is it's that it's this very specific element 
that is only found on the dead bodies of space gods. Yeah. So it's like, imagine if this was the Marvel universe and you were piling a frigate and it was your job to go find a dead celestial. Right. And, and like carve out portions of its face. Dig the glowing stuff out of its brain, basically. Yeah, right. That's, that, <laughs> yeah. that is we only find them when they're dead. Uh, and, you know, of course, like the captain's got this idea for a big score and it's, it's not all what it seems. Um, but it's such a wonderful premise. Uh, super compelling characters. The art is phenomenal. Simone yeah. DeMeo's art is outstanding. Uh, it has been one of my favorite uh, new treats of 2020. We only find them when they're dead. Uh, mine had to go to Once in Future. Kieran Gillen and Dan Mora. It, Tamara Bonvillain, who we also love, is on Colors. Such a fantastic series. And it's sort of like, we talked about it, like a what if Buffy the Vampire Slayer aged and thought like i'm done with my job and i don't have to worry about anything and then all of a sudden really bad stuff started happening again but she's too old to deal with it so she has to go get her grandson and be like you gotta help this is part of our family it's what we have to deal with we're and they're basically dealing with like the arthurian mythos and a group of nationalist terrorists that have unleashed an evil <laughs> that can only be fought by the chosen one Dan Mora's art on this is so damn good. It's not, it's by no means groundbreaking. It's very much traditional comic action art, like in the spirit of the Jim Lee kind of 90s. Excellent detail, really hard edges, but it's gorgeous. The story is excellent. The bad guys are terrifying. I mean, there's elements of Beowulf here. English mythos <laughs> coming into play. It's such a great book. And Kieran Gillen is probably the only guy smart enough to write it. I love Wants and Future. It's an excellent book. It's, an, it's a great pick. I totally agree. We talked about best new series and we talked about mini series, but there are some series that are still sticking around and kicking out issues month by month. Joe Patrick, let's talk about our favorite ongoing series. Of 2020. Well, you know, I've got some runners up here. Uh, for me, my runner up, my runners up were Once in Future, which I adore. Um, Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil, which I have not shut up about Most this entire yeah. uh, episode. Oh, I, I'm not going to go on. What are yours? Oh, like I had Superman and Action Comics both on my list. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which after reading that. Uh, TMNT, The Last Ronin, I went back and caught up on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it's still absolutely fantastic. Green Lantern Season 2 made my list. Firepower, which I could not stop reading after I started, after I read the prequel. But ultimately, and I know I didn't mention it in miniseries, and I talked about how we should have a best event because there are events every year. I have to give my best ongoing series to X-Men, and it is a blanket award. It is covering all of it, literally all of it. The way that Jonathan Hickman is steering the entire X universe, be it X of Swords, be it Marauders, Hellions, Excalibur, they have done such a wonderful job of bringing the X-Men back to the forefront 
of the Marvel Universe, making it absolutely important and doing so in a way that you really don't have to read all of it. You can just read Wolverine if you want to. You can just read X-Men if you want to. You can honestly, you could just read Excalibur if that's all you See, wanted I to read. I don't really feel that that's true, but I absolutely in revisiting them and like reading like X of Swords was one thing. Yes. I think what Hickman has done to steer the X-Men at Marvel into this direction has been incredible. And it gets my best ongoing series without like, it was easy for me, honestly. You know, I like uh, this is not me being a hater. This is not me disagreeing. I I love what Hickman has done. I love the direction the X books have taken. But in 2020, I found it almost kind of a burden to stay caught up with the X books, and that is because they've done such a good job making them all feel like essential reading that I don't agree that I can skip any. That's on you. That's not. That's not their fault. I mean, that might be fair. That might be fair enough, but. Uh, like, like, I, I, like I missed a bunch and I like I literally I just caught up on Hellions this week because I was like I wasn't paying any attention to it and I saw Hellions on some best of list for the, the year and I was like really I didn't think I even cared about that book and then I caught up on it and went okay I totally see Zeb Wells working now this book is really good <laughs> like yeah I don't know <laughs> um so I'm I, I I I I'd have to look back on last year's Beppo's um, I'm pretty sure I'm repeating myself here, but I'm giving my best ongoing series to the Immortal Hulk. You are repeating yourself. That's what you picked from yourself. Marvel. Co- Look, the heart wants what the heart wants. It was great. It was absolutely great. Uh, it's uh, again from Marvel Comics by Al Ewing and uh, Joe Bennett, among others. And it is just it is. If you think you know the Incredible Hulk, you are wrong. No, see, but if you, I, I would if disagree. You think you know what, if you think you know what Al Ewing is doing with The Incredible Hulk, you are wrong. See, and again, I would disagree. I think if you think you know The Incredible Hulk, you're right. You just don't know how fucking horrible it actually is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I feel like Al, Al Ewing is adding so much... He's adding so many layers to uh, so much depth to the character, to the history uh, uh, of this character that, uh, you know, every every issue is like peeling another layer off of an onion. But it's also like boiling the Hulk down, like we just reduce it, like boiling it down to the purest, most awful form of what it actually is. And like every time we learn. I mean, OK, but no, like I. Uh, so if you were telling me like to me when you say something like immortal hulk is boiling is boiling the character down to his essence then that would mean to me that it's just the mindless hulk running around getting in uh, strange adventures no not necessarily absolutely not what's happening that's not what i'm saying at all what i mean is like every time we're like oh okay bruce is like this because of his dad no he's like this because of the hulk Oh, okay. Bruce is like this because of the rape. No, he's like this because of the Hulk. Oh, it's because Betty is like, nope, nope. It's the Hulk. <laughs> the Hulk is a whole thing, like a different thing that you can't even fathom. <laughs> you know? <laughs> sure. That's what I mean. It's like it's all coming back to this. It, it's wonderful what he's done. And but like, w- my point is that none of this is, none of this is 
charted ground. No, I totally agree. I, I totally agree. But it was always there. <laughs> you know, like all that stuff was there. Al Ewing is just taking it and going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's way worse than you think. <laughs> All right. Well, of all of the books we read this year, we had to pick at least one to give our Golden Beppo for best single issue of 2020. Matt Bomb, what do you got? There were two. There were literally two that stuck out in my head. And one was the Robin 80th anniversary special. And that was because I think we were right in the middle of a time where you and I we're just screaming about the bat books. What is going on in the goddamn bat books? Like none of this is even remotely Batman to us. Death metal was in high gear. Batman was getting married or maybe not getting married. Bat, you know, like, like we had no clue what was happening. And out of nowhere, we got the Robin 80th anniversary special, which was just a bunch of creators giving this open love letter to the characters that played Robin. And it was wonderful. It was just wonderful. And it just reminded me how much I love that character and how much I've loved so many different Robins and why I've loved so many different Robins. And I went back and read it again because I was like trying to think about it and I was looking at all my reviews and I just screamed about how much I loved that issue. And I went back and read it again. I was like, oh my God, this really was great, but it's not my number one. Joe Patrick, what, what were your runner-ups? I don't have any runner-ups. It was so hard for me to pick. It, this is the hardest part for me every year. To, to boil it down to a single issue. I read a lot of books. I, like that Robin, that Robin special was great. Um, you know, there were, there were issues of books that I enjoyed, like uh, specific issues of Daredevil or Jimmy Olsen or Immortal Hulk, but nothing that made me sit down and go, yeah, you know what? This is probably one of the best comics I've read this year until I read King in Black, the Immortal Hulk one shot. A Venom (laughs) tie-in. A Venom tie-in. And and look, I'm going to cop to it. It, It's very recent. And, you know, you you might want to call shenanigans for recency uh, bias, but I don't agree. Uh, This is a one shot by Al Ewing with art by Aaron Cooter. Uh, The Hulk happens to find himself in New York uh, during Knoll's invasion. There are symbiote dragons descending from the sky. There are weird symbiote zombies wandering the streets. To explain what's going on with the Hulk himself would be a tremendous spoiler for the uh, Immortal Hulk series. So I'm not going to do that. But in in one story, Al Ewing and Aaron Cooter develop, uh, deliver this heartwarming, uh, action-packed, thrilling, unexpected, beautiful story without using a single word of dialogue. It is a silent issue. Yeah. And it is tremendous. It's tremendous. Uh, And not only that, but it's a Christmas special. And like, by the time you're done with it, you're just like, 
holy shit. And like you feel for the Hulk, like you 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 go through the entire range of emotions for the Hulk during this during this issue. You know, you feel bad for him. Uh, you feel uh, guilty about what he's doing. You're mad at him uh, for the destruction that he rages. Uh, and then there is a moment of intense body horror, and he becomes Bruce Banner again. Spoilers: He's not really. We're not going to talk about that. He ends up giving the Hulk a Christmas gift that the Hulk will never forget. And it's just such a joy to read. And I loved it. It was so unexpected. Such a surprise for a stupid tie in to a stupid heavy metal punch him up cosmic venom event. Okay, time out. King and Black has been really good. No, I get it. Like I'm not like I'm not shaming the King and Black. I was gonna say, I'm not going to listen to you slam it. It's been really come on. good. Like you've got it. Like let's get real here. Uh it's not Watchmen. It's not The Dark Knight Returns. No, no, I mean I agree. Sure. Uh but like when this was over, I'm just like this is probably not only is this one of my favorite things that I've read all year. It's probably the single greatest event tie-in I have ever read. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I, it was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. I had to give mine also to a Hulk comic, also written by Al Ewing. My best single issue goes to Immortal Hulk number 33, which is effectively issue 750 of the Hulk as well. It oh, was yeah. the giant size slam bang ending to the Hulk fighting Dario Agar, who was the CEO of Roxxon, and also a Minotaur, who was using Zemnu, which is like a white furry monster with psych- uh, psychic powers and no mouth. He just has big eyes and eyebrows and no mouth. And he had like taken over the world essentially using the Hulk as his pop icon and in like invaded the Hulk psyche as well. And we get to see the Hulk climbing into his own psyche and looking at all these different aspects of the Hulk. We see gladiator Hulk from planet Hulk. We see gray Hulk, Joe fix it in his human form. Like this guy with a mustache and a suit trapped in Amber because we can't let him out because the idea of that personality is too dangerous and stuff. And this childlike huge, just ripped up Hulk. This has art by both Joe Bennett and Nick Patara and Nick Patara does all the art like within Hulk's psyche, basically where the Hulk is walking amongst all the other Hulks. And the story opens with Joe Bennett basically like showing you Bruce Banner and Bruce Banner just accepting it, saying like, I'm crazy. I'm the problem. It's me. It's absolutely me. I murdered my father. I remember crushing his head on my mother's tombstone and it felt good. I'm a killer and I liked it. And Doc Sampson is telling him, no, that didn't happen. Somebody messed with your brain. It's Zemnu actually messed with your brain. But the one thing Zemnu can't mess with is the Hulk. Because even the psyche of the Hulk is the strongest of them all. And we get to see, like, Bruce Banner let go, finally, and just say, fuck it. The only way to, like, stop this, to defeat Zemnu, is to unleash the real Hulk. And there's a Joe Bennett page 
where we see Bruce Banner imagining what's it going to be like if I do, if I really just let it go. And what it is is this, like, six-armed, many-faced green blob like tearing the Avengers in half more or less. It's just like erupting in New York and he's terrified of it. He doesn't know what else to do, but he has to, he has to come to grips with his own fears, his own anger. And it's such a perfect example of what Al Ewing is doing with the Hulk. Just again, boiling it all down to like, yes, Bruce, you are the Hulk and the Hulk is you and your rage is what powers it. And at the end of the day, your rage might be the most powerful thing in the Marvel Universe. And it is a stunning issue. Absolutely amazing. Easily the best thing I read this year. Incredible. Oh, loved it. Great, great pick. Great pick. So those are our Golden Beppos. That's our best of for 2021. And of course, we want to hear from you guys this weekend on Cover to Cover about the best stuff that you read. It doesn't have to be these categories. Best anything. I just want to hear yeah, from you. Anything goes. But Joe Patrick, before we get out of here, we should probably talk about the worst shit that happened this year, too. Just a brief <sighs> glancing over. Now, there's plenty of terrible things that happened, and I'm not trying to take anything away from 380,000 Americans dying at the hands of a global pandemic, but we're focused on comic books here. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to just pull the bandaid right off, and I'm going to say that the worst comic book that I read in 2020 is The Amazing Mary Jane by Leah Thompson. Fair enough. All right. Uh, it's just god awful. It's terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, I hated it too. <laughs> Uh, but as far as like comics in general, uh, I'm giving my worst of 2020 to DC Comics uh, for uh, stupid shit like death metal, uh, brand confusion yeah. with Black Label yeah. and the death of Vertigo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think Young Animal. Is it Young Animal? Is it Wonder Comics? Right. It, is Wonder Comics a thing anymore? Are they pop-ups? I don't even know. Are they, are they, uh, are they <laughs> like, what is it? Yeah, DC is in such a disarray right now it, it's embarrassing it's absolutely three jokers what was the point yeah after two after all those years of build-up three jokers why yeah. that made that made my list for one of the worst iron man 2020 because it was like built up there was gonna be this whole big thing and dance lot was like i'm out see ya <laughs> i kind of left it transformers versus terminator absolute garbage <laughs> like one of the worst comics i read this year uh the cancellation of hellblazer again dc what in you build up this whole Sandman universe thing and then just quietly backpedal on it and rip it away from people. This is the best Hellblazer comic book we've had in literally 20 years, and they canceled it. Uh, the cancellation of Burger Books at Dark Horse. Burger Books were the best Vertigo books we had in print right now. It, it was this return to wonderful, weird, wild, you know, UK Vertigo and gone. Uh, and of course... Let's not forget Dynamite's comics embrace of Comicsgate. <laughs> like, I, I still can't believe that like Dynamite has not paid for this more and more creators are not leaving the Dynamite cash, over. Matt, what do you want? It, it's just awful. And like as much as I love the boys and I love the boys on TV and I love the boys comic book, Dynamite is constantly tweeting. You love it? 
Come buy it. Come check out. Come buy this shit. Come check it out. We got it right here. And we're feeding these assholes. But I think the absolute worst thing that happened to comics this year was COVID fucking up new comic book shipping. Ah, uh, well, yeah, of course. But I mean, like, yes. it just, it, it fucked up so many great new things that were happening. Like, look at Matthew Rosenberg's Hawkeye, which we talked about. Like, basically almost got canceled and shunted to only digital comics and then came back. And Jed McKay's Black Cat was in midstream, Jed and then Mc- it was like, I guess we're relaunching it with a new number one for no reason. And we loved it. it it's yeah. it's a great book. It, like it fucked up so many things for so. And that's just the big stuff, by the way. Th- think about the independent guys. Even look at uh, Michelle FIFA with Cobra. He left Image Comics and said, "Fine, fuck it. I'm gonna put Cobra out myself because these stories are yeah, he coming went back out. to self-publishing. Yeah, I mean like." It has been an awful year for comics. And at the same time, it's been a great year for comics. And I am so happy we get to do this every year and celebrate what we read, celebrate these creators. 2020 was a mess. But you, like I said in the beginning, you can't argue. It was a great year to sit down, read some comics, and distract yourself from how fucking terrible everything else was. <laughs> Yeah, you know, as bad as things have gotten, we still had comics. We still have our comics. Yeah. And you know what? We're going to have them next year, too. Things are going to get better. We want to hear from you guys this weekend on Cover to Cover, your best of, just the best stuff you enjoyed. It doesn't have to be any certain categories, just the best stuff you enjoyed in 2020. Call us this Saturday, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We're going to roll right into it. We can't wait to hear from you. That about does it for the uh, 2020 Golden Beppos celebration, though. We got to get to the after party here. Mangog is waiting for us. That's going to be weird. Oh, yeah. He's drinking all the <laughs> ale. He's drinking all the mead. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to stop at the Asgardian party first. We agreed on that because that's where you get lit up really good. Don't end the night there, though. Ugh. Ooh. It gets ugly <laughs> fast. No way. Yeah, no. <laughs> all right, guys and gals and listeners. Thank you for tuning in. But for now... My name is Matt Bob. My name is Joe Patrick. And this is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. Be sure to tip your waitresses. Hey, don't be on.